Hello, and welcome to the Happy Hippie Podcast. I am your host, Amanda McCormack. I am a registered yoga teacher, a certified personal trainer, and a certified nutrition coach. And I'm here to explore all areas in life that contribute to bringing us greater happiness. So join me every week as we take deep dives into different wellness topics, methods, products, and talk to experts in the field to discover what you can bring into your life to feel better mentally, physically, and spiritually. Get ready as the Happy Hippie Podcast guides you towards living your best life. Okay, let's get into it. So hello, everybody. I am so excited to be hosting this show. Um, I've wanted to do this for a while. This was actually my New Year's resolution last New Year's. And then I honestly got really scared and I put it off completely. And I kept telling myself, oh, I need more followers. I need more views and interaction before I can start this. And a whole year went by. And honestly... I could have wanted more. I kept wanting more. I was like, I need more of this, more than that. And I just sat myself down one morning and I was like, let's just do this. Let's get into it. I have so many ideas and so many topics I want to talk about. And besides me, I have so many people that I want to interview and that are in my network that can bring such value with the words and the conversations we always have. So I'm like, why not throw them on a podcast and share this knowledge with the world? So that's what we're doing here on the Happy Hippie podcast I'm so excited to be doing this. I was going to do like a little bit about me episode. We're not doing that now, so don't worry. <laughs> You're not going to be bored to death. Um, I might do like a bonus episode. It would be like a 20-minute episode going into my background a little bit more, talking about why I post the things I post, what I'm into, why I kind of come at life and these topics in a holistic kind of way, and what I did to kind of get there with my mindset, with my movement, with everything that goes on in my life. So I'm thinking I will do an episode about that. But today's episode, I really want to talk about what messages, habits, and strategies really altered my life in the past year or have kind of altered my life in the past few years and I keep bringing them back because they're just that good. So I'm thinking we're going to discuss 10 different tips, tricks, and secrets that are pretty much game changers when it comes to myself, my relationship with me, uh, my self-talk, relationship with food and movement, my relationship with work, my relationship with relationships, like people romantically in your life, your coworkers, and success. So it's going to be a good episode. We're going to get into it. I'll go through 10 different topics in this episode. I kind of want to call these the 10 commandments of wellness. Um, it's a mix of different things. It's like sayings, actions, habits that I compiled together. These came up for me so fast when I tried to sit down. I did a little meditation, a little reflection, and I was like, what are the 10 things that I could talk about? And I had to stop myself at 10. So these are the first 10 to come up. And honestly, they have really shaped me into being a better person, emotionally, physically, mentally, and has taken away so much anxiety and stress in my life. Um, they all kind of differ. I'll go into the first one, which honestly, this is probably my number one thing. This tool alone can help you get through life in so many different ways if you learn how to implement it. So the first commandment of wellness, do not take anything personally. Now, I didn't come up with this. I actually got it from the book the Four Agreements. If I have to recommend a book to read to anybody ever, this one will always come up. Even if I'm drunk, <laughs> this is the first thing that slips into my mind and I tell everybody to read this book. It is life-changing. It's a really short read. I've, I think I read it the first time four years ago and I have read it every single year since because every time you read it, you get something new out of it. But this book alone has shifted my perspective on life so heavily. 
It is 140 pages long and the text is kind of big, so honestly, it's like even shorter. It is by Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. I will link it below because it's also only like $9 on Amazon. Like, I could be the spokesperson for this book. It is fantastic. So if you can guess, it's four agreements or four rules that you kind of implement into your life that really take over. So I'm gonna read you the description, which is two sentences of don't take anything personally. So this is rule number two. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality and their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be a victim of needless suffering. So I noticed a lot of pain in my life, like just basic conversational things, nothing too deep, has come from me taking things very personally. And I noticed that when I was younger, I used to take things personally a lot, and it's very easy to do so. It can be on a large scale, like if you're in an argument with somebody, but it also can be on the scale of like you in the supermarket and the lady in front of you doesn't hold the door for you, even though she literally saw you and you're like, oh my God, this, like, this lady's crazy. And you go off in your head about her and then you see her as you round a corner in the supermarket like 20 minutes later and you're still like mad at her, even though she doesn't know who you are or anything. You see what I'm talking about? Like in everyday life, we take a lot of things personally and it creates a lot of upset in your own mind. And you're the only person suffering with that upset. Like no one else in the supermarket is being affected by this woman, but in your head, you just keep overthinking things. You could see this a lot in driving. <laughs> I'm not an aggressive driver at all. I'm probably the opposite. Like I'm in the right lane doing like 30 on the highway. <laughs> but um, you notice it a lot in your inner dialogue when you're driving, how you don't even see who drives a car unless you speed up to get next to them and you look in the car to see like, what a-hole just cut you off, but you will take a lot of things personally when you're driving. And I feel like driving is one of my biggest lessons in life sometimes when I have to sit back and evaluate why I got really upset or really triggered by somebody not putting a blinker on. So take a second or two and just try to think about all the times in your day, very tiny things that you get very personally offended by. It can come up a lot, honestly, and I never really thought about it until I put it into this perspective and until I read this book and I sat down and I was like, I am literally getting offended by all these things throughout my day that could just easily be dismissed. And I honestly don't do this anymore that often. I mean, you will get thoughts in your head, but I'm able to take a step back and turn the thoughts around now. And I wasn't able to do that a few years ago. So this past year, especially, I've noticed that I have been really good at not taking things personally. I'm human, so when something happens, it might sting for a second, but I'm able to like take a deep breath and dismiss it. Because in that segment I just read, Everybody sees things through their own perspective. Like they're so caught up in their own mind. The book calls that the dream. It says that everybody basically lives in their own illusion, their own dream. And they're so caught up in it all the time that everything they do isn't really a personally targeted attack. Like they're doing it because of their own inner turmoil. You know, you ever heard of the phrase like hurt people hurt people. So somebody that's upset is more likely to give you attitude when you're in a store or drive a little recklessly or get mad at you for something because they're going through something. And it can be hard to look at certain people um, and think that, you know, look at them and take a step back and you're like, 
they're just having a bad day. When meanwhile, it could be somebody that just yelled at you at work and you're supposed to sit back and be like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> they're just having a bad day. It's hard to do that, but when you actively begin to practice that, it could really change your whole mindset on things. I used to find myself like getting really upset over things. I'm a sensitive person and so when I worked as a personal trainer, I worked in a lot of gyms and I had to do a lot of hands-on corrections from people or tell them, you know, you're picking up this barbell, like I don't want you to hurt your back, like try to pull your shoulder blades back and take a deep breath. And some people just don't want to hear that. They're going through whatever they're going through and in their mind, I'm coming along and they just don't want to hear it right now. And it's because of whatever their issue is, like whatever they're going through in the moment. But on my end, I see it as this, <laughs> this man is yelling at me and I'm like, Ugh, this sucks. Like, I don't like this person. He's not nice. But I can take a step back and realize that he's going through something. I was just doing my job. Take a deep breath, let it go and move on. So an interesting topic that was brought up in the book about this is that taking things personally is the maximum expression of selfishness because we're making the assumption that everything that happens in the world is about you. That everyone's doing something to get you almost. And nothing other people do is because of you. It's because of themselves. And all people basically live in that illusion in their own dream, in their mind, and they're completely in a different world than what you are from. And think about that, like everybody grows up with different backgrounds, they experience different things, good and bad in life, and it shapes them into the person they are. And they're caught up in everything that's going on in that. And if you have an encounter with them, it's not because of you, it's because of all of the stuff that's raveled up in them. You could really take this lesson into relationships. I feel like now, uh, nowadays I can really evaluate all of my past relationships with friends, like romantic things, and see that people I didn't like at the time, or I thought they were literally out to get me, or they did this because of this, I can step back and see like, wow, this person, and I'm not, you know, justifying bad behavior in any of these scenarios, like nobody should be cutting you off and yelling at you, nobody should be yelling at you at your job like that, and nobody should be like treating you a certain way in friendships and relationships, but when you step back and you look and you see that they've gone through their own struggles, you can actually breathe. You can sit back and be like, they're going through their own thing. Like the words that came out, the actions that were done were not a target and vendetta against me. Like they're suffering in their own way. And when you can look at a person with that compassion, it gives you like such a breath of relief. Like you don't have to be anxious about why these people are doing these things because they're not doing it because of you. So an analogy I kind of like to use is pretending that you are holding a shield, like you can put up a shield and the words, the action of these people, you can let it kind of bounce off that shield. So think about like hate and gossip, like in real life, hate comments are just gossip. <laughs> when people whisper about things, they're doing it behind your back. And on the internet, you've noticed a lot of people will leave hate comments. So let's say someone leaves a hate comment and it's hard like to do it instantly because again, you're human, but Try not taking it personally because you know that this person is dealing with their own feelings, beliefs, and like opinions. And think of it as, he uses the example of poison, but 
I like to use it as like a rock. Like let's say they're throwing a rock, but you have a shield and the bad words, the bad vibes, everything they're trying to send you is a rock and you can put up your shield and you're able to kind of block that off. If you take it personally and you put that shield down and you let the rock hit you, then you're the one making it your own reality. So think about it like you're your own movie star. Everybody else is a secondary actor. You get to choose how you let them affect you. So you can keep the shield down and let them hit you with those rocks and take it personally, or you can keep that shield up and go about your own movie, go about your own plot, your own cast. You don't have to worry about these people projecting their own ailments onto you. Um, again, I feel like I went off on that one, which is really funny because that was the first one, but we're going to move on to number two. If you have any comments about this one, you can always like leave a message on my Instagram and we can like put them on my story and discuss a little bit about that topic. But again, even in a really small way, if any of the words I said in this podcast come to you when you're dealing with a situation like that, I hope it can help you in that way because it, like I said, I still reread this book every year because of literally that section alone. And sometimes I'm really good at it and other times I let things get to me, but then I've been able to really put up a nice mental shield and not get affected by things that used to like would have broken me years ago. So it's probably the most important thing that I have had in the past year. Number two on the commandment list of wellness is ditch the all or nothing mindset. So a few years ago, I used to use this a lot when it came to food and when it came to exercise. It's that black and white thinking. It's very common, mostly because of like the media and the way we've just been bought up in general to think you're either X or Y, you're one thing or the other. If I don't completely cut out all carbs, then my diet's not gonna work. Or if I don't go to the gym every day, then I'm not gonna lose weight. And then the day that you fall off the wagon, you get very defeated by it and it becomes a cycle where you just get unmotivated and you don't go back into your routine, your thing, because you have that all or nothing mindset. And that's what makes things really hard. And I find a lot of the time when I work with clients, it's dismantling that mindset that's been around forever. And it's not that person's fault. Like I said, it's constantly reinforced by family members, friends, the media, movies, shows, things like that. But Breaking that all or nothing mindset is what's really going to get you to achieve something, to actually make progress. When you break progress down into smaller things, bite-sized pieces, you're able to actually get somewhere with the goals and the ideas that you have. So my advice would be to reinvent how we look at it and think about how we can balance what you already have with what you kind of want to add in. So find that gray. Find that middle ground. What can you do to make something balanced for you? Just having a little bit of each. And it's hard to grasp onto that mindset because again, it's ingrained into you that that's wrong in some way. That I have, if you're healthy, a healthy person runs on the treadmill every day. Like that's not actually what healthy is. Healthy looks different for everybody. Sustainability looks different for everybody because of your own lifestyle. So maybe a journaling exercise where you write down all the beliefs that you have, like this has to be like this. I see exercise like this. I see movement like this. I see money like this. Writing down those things and how you see them can put it on to perspective. When you put it on paper, you can see maybe how you're looking at things because you might have a really stubborn mindset about something and that could actually be stopping you. It's almost a limiting belief that's stopping you from being able to do something. And it's not even your fault. It's just ingrained in you from everybody else in the world and their influence on you. 
Number three is one of my favorite things to talk about now because it has affected me so positively and made me so much happier. It's finding movement that works for you. So don't feel that you have to confine yourself to a box and stick to a certain type of exercise that you don't like when there are so many options out there. So for me personally, I, again, I wanna do an episode on a little bit about my background and stuff so I don't go on a tangent. I'm gonna save most of it for that, but long story short, um, I was very confined with what I thought exercise was in different periods of my life. So when I was in high school, I was like a cardio bunny and anything else was wrong. <laughs> anything else would not work for me. Then I'll explain another time, but I broke that mindset thankfully. And when I got to college, I was obsessed with weightlifting. And like, if I wasn't lifting heavy weights, like it wasn't exercise I wanted to do. I thought like workout classes and things like that were I had a totally different mindset back then, but I thought they were like dismissive almost. I'm like, they're not gonna do anything. I don't need to be doing cardio at all. Like I need to just be like lifting really heavy weights and trying to like build muscles as much as I can. And that kind of took a toll on me, even though I kind of gave myself that belief. After college, it was really hard for me to like break the pattern, almost to the all or nothing mindset again, um, where it was like, I either had to lift weights or my exercise was wrong, you know? And that was something I had to work through on my own. That might not be something you relate to, but there's such a peace in just moving to move and like moving my body and getting my heart rate up and just feeling good than the two phases I previously went through in my life where I was obsessed with cardio and like eating low carbs and burning all these calories. I was in that phase my entire high school career, which again, is really sad because <laughs> I was like 15 with this mentality. Um, and then the complete opposite in college, I was obsessed with lifting weights and I was eating like, well, I was obsessed with tracking macros. So I would be eating my grams of protein, fat and carbs, which again, it, none of this is like bad if you do it in increments and things, but the way I was doing it, man, it was like, I was eating half a tub of peanut butter a day, trying to get my fats in. And I was like gorging myself at like midnight to get all of my macros in. Like it was becoming almost, it was a bad, it was like a bad relationship with food and exercise, but in a different way. Like, yeah, I wasn't starving myself, but I was obsessive about the numbers and things. So that, that mindset, since I've been like 14 to like I'd say maybe like 22, 23, like that's a long time, took over and I was very just caught up in it. My whole life revolved around my exercise and my eating in different ways. So being able to like step back and exercise for enjoyment and not forcing myself to do something that I didn't like is crazy. <laughs> and I know like I'm only 25 um, and in the past, I'd say year and a half, but mostly the past year, I've really just been able to feel good in how I exercise and how I eat. And I found that like perfect balance that works for me. And it's crazy, I never thought I could do that. Now, one point I do wanna bring up, for example, the way I exercise now, everyone's different. I do have strain training in my regimen because goal-wise, the way the exercise science works, certain things are better for certain goals, for sure. But that doesn't mean you have to do them every day. It doesn't mean that you have to make that your entire regimen. So for example, one goal I do have, I still like having strength and building muscle mass, but I don't love it to the point where I wanna to go to the gym five days a week and do an upper body, lower body split. I used to like that, 
but I sat back and I like listened to like what I actually like in my heart and I decided, okay, I need to keep resistance training in my regimen if I want to, you know, keep the strength training goals that I have. But I strength train twice a week now and it works perfectly for me. And then I fill in the rest of the week with things that I enjoy. And I have other goals as well. So I do yoga during the week because I have goals that align with what yoga brings to the table. And then I do cardio once a week and I do it for fun and I change it up all the time. So I'll do different F45 classes and I started doing boxing, which is crazy. And I'm having a blast just moving my body, but that's where I am now. And like I said before, I never could have done this a few years ago. Like I was so hell bent on this type of exercise is gonna bring these results and I have to be doing that all the time. Um, and again, not to like plug myself or plug personal training or anything like that, but there is a reason why exercise science exists and why certain exercises work in certain ways. So finding the balance between what you enjoy and what your goals are is the perfect formula. This also can apply to just listening to what your body needs that morning or that day. I like to plan out my exercises for the week, but I also kind of leave a little bit of wiggle room. So I usually plan in like two or three um, off days and sometimes things happen and I can just move what day I was going to work out to what day I was going to take off and then work out another day, if that makes sense. So I just kind of leave wiggle room. I'm not too strict on the regimen, but I am disciplined enough to like get myself to go with scheduling things during the week. So I know during the week, for example, this week, I'm gonna hit two strain training sessions, two yoga sessions, and then a cardio session. But if I have a day where I'm not feeling my best, that's totally fine. I can just take one of the days for rest today and then do on my rest day, the cardio workout, you know? Don't be too hard on yourself. Listen to literally what your body needs in the moment and just move and find movement that works for you that day. Moving on to number four, prioritizing your sleep will literally change everything. I won't get sciencey, but recovery from exercise is really affected by sleep. The same with your actual performance. I see all the time, I used to have a few clients that came to me and they were getting like three hours of sleep a night and they weren't seeing results. And I know it's such a boring thing to say, but getting sleep and getting almost priming your body for sleep in different ways will affect your brain, your body, literally everything. So this past year, I really did start to take my sleep a lot more serious. Um, I used to work for three different years, almost four years, um, at different gyms. And I was teaching the 5 a.m. classes, which meant I had to get up really early and travel there. I was getting up around 3.30 in the morning multiple times during the week, but not every single day. So I didn't have a consistent sleep schedule. And it really messed me up, man. <laughs> it would be so hard to get sleep the night before or just, you know, twice a week I'm getting up at three. So it was hard for me to balance out the other days where I was teaching night classes and I had to sleep in. So over the course of the past three to four years, I was really all over the place with my sleep. I tried to get really good at it again in the past two years and I really got a beautiful regimen going on at the moment in this past year. And I'm gonna share three different things that I did to help me with sleep. So I did say prioritize your sleep. It's not always easy. I know everyone has different lifestyles, different people they take care of, including themselves, that can affect how long they get to sleep or they have to get up early for certain things. But making your sleep a priority in different ways 
whether that be taking time to unplug off your phone before you go to bed, having a session before you go to sleep or some time to slowly wake up in the morning. It could be five to 10 minutes that you're adding in, but these things can really make a difference in the long run. So it's so easy to go on your phone before bed. I'm not gonna sit here and lecture you at all on that because I do it, obviously. Um, currently, I have a nice reading regimen going on, but every now and then I'll just go on the phone for like an hour before bed. I know how it can be. My advice is if you're gonna be on your phone before bed, to invest in a pair of blue light glasses. They have them on Amazon for like $7 for a pack of four. They aren't too crazy, they're not prescription, but they block the blue light that comes out of your phone and it keeps your eyes awake. So blue light basically tricks your mind. It's a similar ray that your body gets during the day from the sun. So when your body's receiving it at high increments at night in your room on your phone, it, your brain finds it harder to go to sleep because it thinks it's in a daylight kind of zone and it's not gonna fall asleep. I explain that in the most unsciencey way, but there's a lot of research on it. I actually did a blog post on it. I'll put it in the reference notes if you're interested, but a pair of blue light glasses helps reflect that. If you're gonna be on your phone before bed, I would just suggest grabbing a pair. It does make a difference in how fast you fall asleep. Earlier I said even five to 10 minutes to put aside will really help you out. So number two, my advice is to make some sort of activity before bed a priority that's not being on your phone, even if it's five to 10 minutes. So either doing a guided meditation, I know very exciting, but you're trying to go to sleep, it helps unwind your brain, reading a book, any activity that is not an electronic device before bed, it could be a physical like sewing type thing, will really help you fall asleep. Honestly, out of all those options, I think reading a book, reading five pages a night is a better start than Again, all or nothing mindset. Sometimes you're like, oh, I want, you know, five pages is nothing. If I'm gonna read a book, I'm gonna read a chapter. Just read a page or two before you go to bed. It'll help your brain get into that pattern to help you fall asleep. Now, this is not a sponsored thing at all, obviously, but my favorite tool at the moment is the Hatch Alarm Clock. I wanted one for two years and I didn't get it. And I got one in October and I love it so much. Um, it does the steps I just told you. It has a pre-bedtime routine. It plays a sleep sound if you'd like during your sleep. And then it has this really nice gentle alarm because you know how jarring <laughs> the iPhone alarm can be. The hatch alarm is so nice. It wakes you up, but it's not like you're going to war. That's how you feel when you wake up on an iPhone alarm, I know. I wake up to like birds chirping, but like it's loud enough that it gets me up, but I'm not like waking up with my fist in the air like I am when the bells go off on my phone. So I really do like the hatch. I vouch for it like so much. It's helped get me into a nice routine. You don't need to buy a product to do this. You can find the baby ounce of discipline to do it. I promise it's so worth it. It's gonna impact everything. It'll help your skin, it'll help your digestion. It literally will help your exercise results. Like getting a little bit more sleep every night is gonna help you in so many ways. So prioritize that sleep this year. Again, even if it's just waking up in the morning, taking some time to meditate or just move around and stretch in bed before you get going and go from zero to 100, or if it's putting a um, some time aside for a bedtime routine, either one of those, or if it's staying off the phone and using the blue light glasses, they are gonna help you out so much. So prioritize your sleep this year. Number five is a brain dump. So this is more of a 
habit kind of that I started that has helped me so much in terms of planning. So brain dumps and planning. Um, a brain dump is basically instead of going into your planner and trying to write down what you need to do every single day this week or have to do today, you're going to dedicate a page. It can be a page in your notes. You're going to have one page for brain dump and then you're going to have your actual planner where you organize these thoughts. And a brain dump is what it sounds like. Set a timer. You don't even need to set a timer, but just go off. Start typing what you have to do. Think of all the things that are coming up. Just write them down. Let the body like free ride it. Just brain dump it for a few minutes. Get it out of your system into a physical source, whether it's on a notebook or in your phone. And then take a step back and look at that page. Start to pull things out and then you can put that into your planner. It has made such a difference in my productivity and just how I organize things and like my thinking. Like getting everything out of my head onto this page and not worrying where it goes is what helps me think of more things that have to get done or write it out in a better manner. I used to go into my planners and look at Monday, I'm like, what do I have to do Monday? And I'd sit there and try to write it. Or I'm like, what do I have to do this week? And I try to plug it into each button or each section. But now that I have a literal dump, I have a page where everything is just written out in horrible chicken scratch. I can go and like drag what I need into each category and it really has helped me. And I wanna talk about planners for a second too. I started digital planning this year and I really liked it. So I have ADD as well. I don't know if the past 30 seconds told you that, <laughs> but I do. And I have gone through many different types of planners. I have one physical planner that I'd recommend. Um, it was a subscription-based planner. I used to use it, but it got too much for me to use the paper one because I kept forgetting it places or I'd come up with an idea and I'd put it in my phone and then I wouldn't put it in the planner and I just was getting all over the place with it. But the planner that I used to use is called Sonder Planner. It is a subscription-based planner. I This is also kind of why I stopped it because it was 20 bucks a month <laughs> to get this monthly planner and it was wonderful. I love the spreads on it, but like if you go to TJ Maxx, you could get like a five-year planner <laughs> for like 15 bucks. So I kind of stopped using it, one, because of the subscription. I thought it was like a lot over time, um, but everyone's different and that might work for you. And two, I always wanted to try digital planning and I really, really like it. I like the app that I use for it and the planner that I have currently and I think it makes it so much easier for me to like write notes in my phone and be able to like later on put them in my planner because it's kind of all in one place. I could do a whole thing on digital planning and I can recommend tons of different people that sell planners and tools for it because it's so fun but I just want to mention that digital planning has really helped me as well. But brain dumps man, try it out, put it on the list for this episode. Like. Brain dump at the beginning of the week helps me out so much. I do a monthly brain dump and a weekly brain dump and it has helped me get things done. Okay, so number six is finding what your values are. So there are a lot of different guided meditations and journaling prompts online about values and I only really dug into them, I'd say the past year or so, and they really change your perspective on things. So values are basically single words that means something to you. Everybody has different values. They have different things that they prioritize in life over other people. Everyone's different. Everyone's unique. No one's right or wrong. For example, um, some values can be freedom. Some values could be security. So somebody could value 
having freedom in their life where they can't be in the same place or they can't have a commitment to certain things. They want to have freedom above everything. Um, and another person needs security. They feel very off if they are not, if they don't have a secure job or secure place or a security in their family, like different things like that. So those are two different scopes on the world that different people can have. Another value example would be health. Um, some people make health a very big priority in their life and some people don't. Some people see service as a very big value. They, everything they do um, goes back to service. Some people value adventure, love, success, things like that. So these are words that almost influence your life path. And by taking time to journal or manif not manifest, sorry, or meditate on these things and finding out what you actually value in life can help you redirect what you want to do in life or check out what you're doing in life now and see if it really aligns with your values. And stepping back and finding out what the values are and seeing what you're doing that aligns with them or doesn't align with them can actually help you find more happiness in your life. Like these are things that will come up when you journal it out. You'll notice patterns and words that come up. And basically what you should do is you should find what your values are and then consider these values when you're making decisions. Kind of envision how your future self looks and the values that that person has to get there. You guys want to get corny? I pulled out a journal page to kind of clarify on this a little bit more. So I think I did this during the year sometime, but the values that I put down, I put six of them down. There's no right or wrong on the number, but I put down that I value um, love, freedom, success, adventure, health, and service. And those are things that come up for me a lot in life um, that I, if you've noticed on what I do, it kind of aligns with those things. And then I wrote down, let's, let's read a page of my journal on the internet. Let's do it. I wrote down that, um, I did a meditation basically, and I wrote down that I saw myself as a successful health business owner. <laughs> I was happy, I was carefree, I was on a beach in Greece. This was like a, visualiz a visualization of things that you want in your life. And then you look at the visualization and you see the values that that person would have. So that was the exercise that I did. If you wanna try it out, it's really good. Um, I said that I traveled and I enjoyed what I did for a living. And I don't know, just smiley and all, all that jazz. But yeah, so based on that, like you could see that I valued um, success in my business, my health, um, being carefree and happy and having that freedom, that adventure, that success and um, supplying a service. So that's where I pulled those values out of. So try that exercise out. It really helps you kind of narrow down on what you're doing in life and it helps you kind of direct your head to where you want to go. Okay, so we are at our last few of the wellness commandments. The next one, if you're one of my clients, you know this one, this is one of my favorite rules to talk about, is adding and not restricting. So focus on adding things that you want in your life, into your life, and stop focusing on the restriction of the things you wanna get rid of. So I use this a lot with my clients in terms of food and exercise, but you could do this with habits, you can do this with things on a bigger scope and scale as well. And again, this kind of goes back to the all or nothing mindset that I mentioned earlier and just in general how the media has influenced us over the years. When you think of food, when you think of dieting, it's all about restriction. It's all about taking away what you enjoy. That's why people have this negative idea of fitness and health when they're younger and it carries into adulthood as well. Um, that it's like 
a punishment almost. You know, you exercise to burn off calories. You restrict your food so you can fit in the dress. Like all of that, those notions that were thrown around as you grew up on TV and movies and media, they kind of stick in your head. And when you think about these things and when you go to take an action, the first thing you want to do is you restrict yourself in some way. And you'll see a lot of like toxic kind of posts are all about that, like what you can take away and what you can restrict yourself from to get to goal X. My biggest bit of advice, and it goes back again, I think I said it, but the all or nothing mindset to find that balance, to find that gray point, find the gray scale, is adding in what you want to implement. So let's say you really want to focus on getting more vegetables in your diet. You're not going to cut out everything you eat and eat vegetables only, or you're going to cut out all your carbs. I've seen people do this, and I know it's not it's, it's so easy for me to just like yap about it here, but I'm just trying to spread a little bit of the awareness. I'm not trying to make it seem so easy because I know in the reality, like things can be hard like that. But maybe setting a goal to slowly start to add things into your regimen because then you'll actually make progress. You'll actually start to eat the vegetables or you'll start to add in your daily walks or you'll start this new habit slowly. And instead of ripping the bandaid off and ripping away what you're used to, you can add to it and then slowly maybe you can take away the other things. This is so vague. I'm not talking just about food. I just want to make that clear. Or just find the perfect balance for them. So everybody is different. Again, you got to find that balance between what you enjoy, what your body needs and what goals you have. So just focus on adding in the good, adding in the things you want to bring into your life instead of restricting and stopping cold turkey, the things you want to get rid of. I think that was number seven. So this is number eight. Don't wait for others to start something or to do something. So for me, this was in travel, but it could also be in other areas as well. Um, I've done it with exercise classes and things like that too. But when you think about life as you're the only one, like you're the main creator in your life, then you have to realize you're the only one that's going to be able to take action and make those things happen. Sometimes we sit around and we make excuses in our head or we just tell ourselves stories over again that, oh, when this person wants to do this, then we can do it. Or when some of my friends want to do this, then we can act on it. Or, oh, when this becomes a little bit more like acceptable, then I can do it. Or you keep waiting for something before you do it. But honestly, you're the only person that's going to take action on it. And it's scary in a way, but if you want that in your life, you have to do it, even if it's baby steps to get there. And I'm not talking about doing some drastic change. It could be a very small thing, or you can look at something big and break it down into five steps and go down to the babyest step at the bottom and see if you can start doing that this month somehow. Now, do you want to hear the most like morbid, <laughs> the morbid technique that I use all the time is I like to pretend I'm like an old 90 year old woman, like wrinkly in a rocking chair. And I, <laughs> I look back at the decisions I've made and I'm like, am I happy I did this or do I regret not doing something? And I try to embody that mindset when I think about doing something. So sometimes I feel like you hold yourself back in areas because of whatever is not right right now. I don't know, whatever the time's not in alignment or the people aren't in alignment or the money's not or whatever. But then if you were suddenly like 90 years old and you're looking back, would you be upset if you didn't do it? I also like to use another morbid example. If let's say you died 
<laughs> rest in peace, sorry. And you ended up begging, I don't know, like in front of a panel of like the judges in the afterlife. And you were like, please, 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 please send me back. Like, I'll do anything. Like, just bring me back. Like, let me just have another few years. And they accepted and they threw you back down to earth. How would you feel in that moment? Like everything would seem amazing to you. You can use that for a gratitude like technique. Like you would be so excited to do the most mundane things and see the people that like you're mad at at the moment. But if you were thrown back down to earth, you'd be so excited to see them. I try to think if I was thrown back to earth, what would I do? I would be so upset begging to those judges that I didn't get to do X, Y, and Z. And now that I'm here and have the chance to do it again, why not put that into my life to bring something new, like make something happen. So those are two techniques that sound obscene and you're probably like, okay, this chick, <laughs> this chick is going off the rails with these examples, but they really have made me get over fear and jump into some decisions with like traveling and things and starting things. And I'm being really vague, but hopefully that, that resonates with you and those examples could help you. <laughs> On to number nine, it kind of piggybacks off we just talked about. So don't be afraid to do something that's not the norm. I used to hate small talk with new people because I'd have to tell them what I, what I am, what I do, what I like. And I thought that I was weird for it. And I didn't have a normal like nine to five or I wasn't in like a club or something in school and like I used to just feel weird like talking to people I would stretch the truth a little bit like I would avoid saying things or whatever just to make myself like get over feeling bad for being me like <laughs> so when the pandemic first started for example I just graduated college and I started working in a gym teaching like classes and I have like an MBA and in my head like what I was doing as a trainer wasn't like I didn't have an internship or a job like everyone else I knew who graduated school I was like mopping a floor in a gym and some people would ask me what I was doing I would be like oh like I work here I'm looking for like these jobs or I would always like add something onto it to make myself seem more normal I guess I'd be like oh yeah like I'm looking for internships at the moment I'm I'm looking for part-time I would over like emphasize that I'm not just this I promise I'm not just this I'm looking to do this and this and I stopped doing that in the past like two years and I'm so glad I did because I used to literally just like I just I, I was afraid I guess I did a lot of inner work I was afraid to like tell people like what I'm doing I was embarrassed that I'd get like bad feedback from it but then I started to think like why why do I care what this person thinks like if they have their judgment, it goes back to taking everything personally. Like, that's not my life. Like, that's their life. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of stopped doing that. Like, I was I was literally lying. <laughs> I was lying to people. I would just, like, tell them, oh, I'm doing this and that. Or, like, just to stop the small talk. Because I'm like, please don't ask me and then judge me. And I kind of just stopped caring what people think. And it's just made me so much happier, I think. And finally, we made it to number 10. Do little things that make you uncomfortable weird feeling and never goes away um the comfort zone just keeps stretching and you grow with it and the discomfort never ends when you try new things I promise like <laughs> you're always gonna have some sort of weird fear or weird feeling when you do something for the first time and then you're always gonna have a great feeling afterwards because you actually did it so a way to implement this into your life is on a really small scale. Every bit of advice I gave today, think of it on a small scale. Don't think of it as like some crazy 
thing I'm telling you to change your life in the morning. But for example, taking new workout classes. Um, for me, I started filming myself in the gym more. Like I literally have to make fitness content for my job and I was so afraid to do that for the longest time. And it was really uncomfortable for me to like set up a camera and film myself in the gym. And I know that might not be uncomfortable for somebody else, but for me, I felt like it was. And now I can do it finally. But it took like two years of me doing little increments of it to get myself to do it in totality. Um, it could be going somewhere new, going to a new restaurant, driving somewhere alone, going to a new store, a new hobby. Doing things alone in general, even if they're really small things, will really put you in a discomfort, like a place of discomfort. But that will help you grow. I promise. And I just want to end this podcast with a quick story about like me and how I was able to do those things. So when I was in high school and when I was in college, I couldn't even raise my hand in class. Like I would have the answer and I couldn't get myself to physically raise my hand. There was one class that I didn't even do my final presentation because I couldn't even get myself to like stand up out of the seat to do it. Like I was so afraid to do things that made me uncomfortable. I slowly put myself out there a little bit more and more. I joined like a class where you'd have to pitch <laughs> one semester I literally made myself do it because I was like I need to get better at public speaking so that kind of was the catalyst I'd say but even after that point there were still times where I like would shut down and like not talk to people I was like so afraid and that was my own junk to work through but that was only a few years ago that was like four years ago I was still like not raising my hand in class and things and over the past four years I've been able to join all of these clubs and things and put myself out there. I have solo backpack <laughs> in different countries. I've literally flown all these places, done all these things, not like in a braggy way, but in a way like I couldn't even like stand up to ask to use the bathroom <laughs> like a few years ago. So really doing the small, small and comfortable things and programming them into your month, week, year. You can even do one uncomfortable thing this year. Like it could be that small on the scale. Will make you grow and things will become easier and then you'll meet your next challenge. But the challenge that you had in the past will not be a challenge to you anymore. It won't. It'll be like swept under the doorstep and you'll be able to do things that like you thought you never could do. Okay, so I think that's it for my 10 commandments. Um, maybe I should make the cover of this episode like commandments the stones <laughs> I won't do that but just know I had the thought for a few seconds but I hope that these habits these strategies can help bring more happiness into your life um I tried to stay vague with some of them because maybe it resonated with you or bought up something for you um go through the episode again if you'd like fill out any of the journaling questions that I said I'll link a bunch of things everything I've referenced basically today in the show notes um, you can always follow me on Instagram for more or if you want to send me a message about any of the things that we spoke about today because my Instagram is happy hippie fitness with an underscore after the word fitness. But yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Tune in next week. We're going to have a guest interview and have an amazing day.